Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Joining me today to talk about Shiva Baby, a movie that confronts the idea of what it means to be a nice Jewish girl. She's both nice and Jewish. It's Denise Ackerman. Denise, thanks for being here. Thanks, Josh. I'm excited. I've been waiting for this film for a while. So me too. I'm glad I can talk about it. And also joining us, he would never look happy at the Holocaust Museum. It's Josh Brown. Josh, what's up? <laughs> Okay, okay. You're like, oh, nice Jewish girl intro for Denise. Me, now, like, people who haven't seen the movie, that's a reference to the movie. But also, that's a compliment. That means you're not just, like, some uh, ignorant chick. Look, look, guys. All right, so those of you at home, right? Okay, so here's the thing. Me, I, I, you, you may not know this, but I'm not Jewish. I'm like the other two members of this podcast, right? Uh, I'm just a black, Hispanic, agnostic boy, all right? Um, However. So what you're saying is, since you actually really are Jewish as far as I'm concerned, I'm the minority in this because you're both Hispanic Jews, right? (laughs) Essentially, yes. I was telling telling Denise, like, you know, I was probably this close in the genealogy of becoming a Latin Jew, but it just missed. Guys, I had arepas at my bat mitzvah, so we can get to that later, but it's truly, truly, that's how you know. I had to, I, I'll, I'll tell an embarrassing food related thing to my bar mitzvah later too, if you guys want to hear it. <laughs> yes. but, um, but yeah, so Shiva, Shiva baby is, uh, the, the, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. you got to explain why I came on, why I was invited. You can finish, you can finish giving your explanation and convince people you're not really Jewish if you want. Okay. Okay. So anyway, because like, uh, deep down I like, uh, I'm a socially awkward dude who like grew up on like movies and I have very old man taste. Um, <laughs> uh, like I have, I have an affinity for the Jewish committee comedic sensibility. Like there's a lot of like some of my favorite I, I feel so uncomfortable doing it. I'm going to get canceled. You've been sanctioned the... by the other two people on this call. So I think okay. it's a okay, you know. I have a reputation of liking a lot of Jewish, uh, like, American filmmakers, um, like, like in my, like, the top ones, even the problematic ones. So, like. The Woodies. Yeah, the Woody. Like, so Woody is like my starting point, which I, I, I like. This is this is going. He, off. No, he graduated. He graduated to Noah Baumbach. So just go there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I went. Yeah, like yeah. I, I love my Albert Brooks. I love my Noah Baumbachs. I love my um, uh, Elaine May, which this movie reminds me a lot of. You know, I I, I kind of like the Borscht Belt humor. I like it, 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 it's, it's 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 a part of me. It's a part of me. Um, even if the religion itself is not. So by but by this uh, circumstance, um, um, Josh was like, okay, you're qualified to do this. <laughs> but, and, and, and I kept pushing back, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't want to be appropriating anything. Um, Denise, I don't know um, if you ever watched it. I tried to get Josh to do a podcast with us on An American Pickle, the Seth Rogen movie last year. I don't know if uh, you ever watched that. I did. I never got around to it. Mm. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll, you know. Maybe we'll do a comeback. It might be, you, it's kind of funny. You covered it, right? You know, uh, I never ended up doing a podcast on. I had another uh, Jewish friend in uh, in Atlanta that I tried to get to, and just didn't. It didn't work out. Uh, and, and Josh just felt like he wasn't qualified, but I just kind of bullied him into doing this one. Uh, and, <laughs> and, 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 and and Josh had to give that preamble because Shiva Baby is probably the most Jewish movie of 2021, whereas uh, oh. American Pickle is probably the most Jewish movie of 2020. Uh, and here's the thing: it also like when he saw the trailer, it's like it's like. It, by saying that, it also weirdly some like this movie's also like the the movie that like all right if jo- if me Gentile Josh would like it, it's the movie that most he's just like, gonna keep referring to himself as that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but it's, it's the film of twenty twenty one that I'm most likely to like. For instance, one time I recommended to Josh this movie, this obscure 1970s movie starring Elaine May's star daughter called Sheila Levine is dead and living in New York. And then like within the first, and that movie is like sort of like a precursor to girls. Like, and, and like within the first 10 minutes, he like calls me. He's like, if you directed a movie, <laughs> this is what I think it would look like. <laughs> Cause it was just like this like Jewish girl trying to make her way to New York <laughs> as she's like romancing Ro- 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 um, Roy Scheider. Uh, Rob- Roy Scheider. Sorry. I, 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 I'm embarrassed that I messed that up. Um, yeah. It's Jeannie um, Berlin. Not, not just Elaine May's daughter. Let's, uh, let's give her some credit. Well, Cause she's also in the heartbreak kid, which you are going to probably bring up a little bit later. Here's the, Hey, Hey, hey. 
no disrespect to Oscar nominee Jeannie Berlin. I know I nobody respects her more than me. All right. <laughs> I was just like assuming that your audience wasn't as clued in as me. Okay. And to be fair, like again, LA make one of the great filmmakers. Uh, I stand a legend. Uh, uh, I'm not even one hundred. Well, to be fair, I was gonna do like I'm not even sure if your audience knows who Alain May is, and I'm like that's disrespectful to Alain May. It's disrespectful one to my audience the- too. Not not that I yeah, uh, yeah. not that I know yeah, exactly. Who's this listening, group but- of film bros, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Shiva Baby is the newest movie from writer director Emma, Emma Seligman. She, it's her it's her first feature. She adapted it from a short film she made a couple years back, uh, starring Rachel Sennett, who's kind of a comedian and uh, up and coming actress. It tells the story of a young soon-to-be college graduate who uh, runs into both her sugar daddy and her ex-girlfriend at a shiva for a distant acquaintance slash uh, kind of relative. You know, it's not even really that important. The idea being that you know. All Jewish people from all different uh, links and relations are going to end up at a shiva, which uh, for the uninitiated is, you know, uh, a gathering that the Jewish people have whenever someone dies and everyone brings over food and they, you know, offer the family support and companionship in what is a dark time. But the conversations of a shiva are not always all that dark. They're probably largely the same as you would have at any other Jewish gathering, and that can lead to a bunch of hijinks. And the the, the lead character in this movie, Danielle, played by Rachel Sennett, is uh, we, we it opens with with her, you know, having sex with some guy that apparently she seems to have some kind of transactional relationship with, and then she shows up to the shiva where she meets her parents, pr- played by Fred Melamand, who is just, uh, you know, just having a really uh, a, a, a great late stage of his career as being like just mm-hmm. like the the Jewish dad in movies. Basically, uh, I, I saw together to I saw I saw together together yesterday, and I don't even know if he's Jewish in that, but he he's the dad of uh, he's the dad of the Ed Helms character in that movie, um, and he. You know, he, he's just been in a he's been in like a lot of stuff just like the last five years pops up in everything. And uh, and, and Polly Draper, who plays the mom in Obvious Child. And uh, and so she is just like a really, really great Jewish mom. Apparently, she's a Gentile, as is Rachel Sennett, which is more shocking than Diana Agron playing uh, actually being Jewish to me. Uh, but Diana Agron shows up in this movie as the wife of her uh, of Danielle's sugar daddy, and they show up together at this thing. She did not know he had a wife. They also have a newborn, and all, who all, another person that shows up is her, her ex girlfriend, who she has a relationship going back with to high school, played by Molly Gordon. Her her character's name is Maya. So obviously, a lot going on at this gathering, which you know has its usual combination of just nosy Jewish relatives wanting to get in Danielle's business, knowing her relationship status, her career goals, and all the other gossip that might be going on at such a big event. Denise, I'll start with you. You know, for me, even though I'm a guy who's 30 as opposed to a girl that's just a, a girl that's just about to graduate college, there was like so many moments in this movie that like, you know, felt like a little bit of a personal attack uh, because, you know, I didn't have my job. I didn't know I was going to law school up until like the June of after I graduated college. So I had like a, a, a lot of my senior year of college and even some of the weeks after I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And then I didn't have my current job now until six weeks after I took the bar exam. And I'm also still single. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've had all these stretches in my life where no one knew what my career was going to be and much longer stretches in my life where they're like, when are you going to find a nice Jewish girl? So I, 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 can, I could relate to like so much of this movie where this girl is just getting interrogated about her personal and professional life. And again, I'm just a guy. I'm curious because... Uh, you know, just because I, I said this before on the podcast, just because a movie is relatable doesn't make it good. So I have a two-part question for you: Did you find this movie relatable, and did you find it good? Okay, so there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Um, I would say that there's a lot of idiosyncrasies with a film about Jewish neurosis that mm-hmm. I think this film kind of gets to the heart of. And like you said, you know, I have my own share of you know, uh, relatives who like to know what my relationship status is, um, what it was that I was studying in school, whether I was getting a job. Um, I think what's interesting is that there's still any sort of diaspora community can speak to this, but because my family on both sides, they're Jews from Latin America, a lot of it is like getting married soon. Like there's less of a pressure of like, what are your career goals versus when are you going to get married and have children? Um, I think my mom has even started getting a little bit antsy. So <laughs> I think that, you know, uh, and I, I turned 24 this year. So I think that this film, I think what I really liked about this film is that 
rarely do we see claustrophobic, claustrophobic humor. You know, we see it all the time in, in Jewish ethos and any sort of Jewish entertainment or media, but rarely um, do we see it played for effect in a way that like isn't disrespectful in the context of a Shiva, um, which is pronounced dis- differently in my family, but like Shiva is kind of how they say it. So I think it's kind of funny even that, even knowing that, but um, I would say I, I left this, I left feeling mixed about this film. I, I might watch it a second time, but I think a lot of it felt like, you know, what, what was the point? Like we've all had these experiences that are kind of unpleasant. And you're like, well, just leave me alone. I, I don't know. And rarely people really I remember know. my first Shiva. <laughs> and by the way, I don't know if we even, I mean, a sh- the members of the family sit for seven days, by the way. If you like, like, no, I knew that. I knew okay. That. So I, th- I don't think people seem to realize that like there is, it's a week long thing. It's a week long well, thing. It, 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 it depends on your family, basically. Oh. I mean, if someone's going to be like, follow the letter to the law exactly, then yes. Uh, you know, I've had two grandparents, I had two grand- grandparents pass away in the last four years. One of them had a three day Shiva and the other just, we just did it for one day. I mean, it's a matter of, you know, with the space you have on hand and the, the amount of finances you have on hand and, and all that stuff. So it, it, I don't it, care it can how vary. much money I have. If, if this was my religion, if this was a tradition, That's... this you... would go on for seven days. <laughs> the maximum amount you are, you, I want you to fully process my loss. I want, now, oh, I see. You want your your family members. I, I think about this too and like, you know, I know that in other religions and, you know, people at the, when a family is mourning, they'll bring food until, you know, and everyone who has mourned a loss always talks about it's never bad when the loss happens. It's always the time afterward where every, everyone else is gone. The food is long. The leftovers have long been thrown out, um, you know, losing my grandmother last year. Um, we didn't do a seven day show. So well, I, yeah, I you, had, you had the pandemic going on too. We had the pandemic as well. So we didn't have those things. It was kind of untraditional in that way. My aunt, you know, um, was unable to come from Guatemala. So the first time that we were all able to get together to mourn her loss really fully was um, a couple weeks ago when it was her, I don't know if other religions do this either. It was her headstone unveiling. Oh, the, the unveiling. Yes. That's what yeah, you typically right, do in Judaism head- about a year uh, later. I didn't even know this. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Even know so we had food there. There's always food. There's always, and then guess what happens that happened there? I, I saw family members from Venezuela, from everywhere, and it was a lot of, and who's dating who, and who who's in, oh, and he's in, in you know, he's in uh, law school. He's in law school. He's in <laughs> medical school. Oh, well, look, my son, he's he's grown up nicely, you know, showing pictures off. Like, it's all the same thing. So I think. Do you know someone this, that can get him a job? Yeah. Do you know someone that can get him a job? And um, <laughs> hey, you know, my son is around your age and all that sort of thing. So um, as I said, I think there was a lot that I liked from this film and we can unpack it. I think it was a, it's a very accurate portrayal of of what a Shiva might be. As you said, like no one's sitting there like eventually a Jewish, you know, two Jews, three opinions. It's going to become this level of like insanity that we just all have come to know and love from being a member of the tribe so i i i left feeling kind of mixed but i did enjoy the experience overall well so now that we've laid the groundwork for exactly what your level of connection to judaism josh i don't think you have to worry about someone misunderstanding that now you've explained why you might have an affinity for this type of pop culture did it get at that kind of comedy in the way that scratches that itch for you Okay, so, like, Denise, like, uh, mentioned earlier about, like, you know, like, a common cinematic depiction is, like, the Jewish neurosis, right? Uh, like, that's a, a core part of, like, the, I, I, I hate some, like, scholarly on this. <laughs> this is, like, this is my Sunday school. I'm learning a lot. Anyway, but um, that being said, that's, a, a, you know, I think we all can agree, like, a, a crucial part of, like, Jewish uh, humor and, and, and comedic sensibility, right? And so, like, the first time I ever saw, like, uh, Gary Shandling or, like, uh, Albert Brooks or even, like, Woody Allen, I was like, oh, my, like, just seeing the, their neurotic, like, um, uh, uh, characters and their, like, uh, sense of humor and, and their, per, like, personal insecurities and stuff like that, I was like, man, these guys get it. One of them did not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I was like, I, I could relate. But anyway, um, but like, and so like in, in that tradition though, like, cause a lot of it is about like 
you know, um, like, like a, a lot of it is like self-loathing and like a lot of it is just like trying to avoid uncomfortable, awkward situations. Um, I find that like some of my like favorite t- like type of movies, like the stuff by Albert Brooks and L.A. May, they're the best at when it comes to depicting cringe comedy. And I love that. And so like in this movie, it felt like a modern day like Elaine May movie where it's all about putting these characters in this uncomfortable uh, situation and making you the audience like uncomfortable but like laugh in that discomfort which for a lot of people that's not their taste for a lot of people like they hate the idea of cringe comedy because it hits too close to home but like you know i think we all have been in a situation like i hate every family gathering <laughs> um every christmas because i'm always like the single one <laughs> and it sucks when like 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 as you get older and then like your nephews that are a lot younger they too have someone <laughs> there and stuff like that so i related and i've also been at the point where it's like oh i'm kind of like like when i came out of college i remember that like first family gathering in christmas where like you know in between when i actually had like a job and just graduated and just feeling like a bum you know like so i i related to the character um in in this movie a lot um uh though i think i think she sleeps with more people but <laughs> how do we, how, i'm curious to know what we um maybe this was josh's next question not to steal his thunder but i'm curious what everyone kind of thought of danielle as a character because even it's not that i'm like not sold on her i think rachel i like rachel senate in general so i think i think someone once referred to her as the most jewish non-jewish woman on the planet which i thought was quite funny Wait, she's not jewish yeah I didn't no, find, I, I, and, I, and i didn't learn that till yesterday which is it blew Wait, my mind question. how do you feel about well, okay because like i I've also apparently like marvelous miss mazel yeah, rachel rachel Rogers, Rogers, Rogers. yeah she's not jewish like how do you? And I think most of the cast is it, like out of the main Pete and um, regular cast well, members. Well, well, the f- funny thing is, P- Polly Draper is not Jewish either, even though, like I said, she played a Jewish mom and obvious child. Fred Mailman is Jewish. Diana Agron is Jewish, even though okay. she's playing the Gentile. And uh, Molly Gordon is Jewish as well. Um, I'd be and I'd be shocked as hell if that guy that plays Max isn't Jewish. But I didn't really oh, care to learn about him. One hundred percent. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I, so, I, so how do you? Feel well, no, about I was, I was going to pose this question later, but now, since you're doing it now, people ask me this around the time Marvelous Mrs. Maisel came out because I really liked that season of t- first, especially that first season of television which was one of the first things I ever like bonded with Denise about and I people asked me that question then and I was just like I was caught off guard I think I I think I knew Rachel Brosnahan pretty early on wasn't Jewish uh, maybe even before the show came on because I'd heard interviews and people were like well how do you feel about that and I was like I don't know. She's so good at it that I'm like not offended. It's not like this isn't this isn't egregious and like it would be if you just have like straight people playing gay people all the time or straight people playing trans people all the time because like I don't think there's like a Jew there's an issue of Jewish representation in Hollywood. I just I just don't. It's not something I really lose sleep over at all. But but I, I was just like you know I said at the time though yeah I think Allison Brie could have totally been the lead in Marvelous with Maisel and it would have just been she could have been just as good, but I just like, I just didn't find it like really offensive at all. But I, it, 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 this is like almost an even more Jewish movie than Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a Jewish show. So it's like, Oh, that is kind of weird that the lead isn't Jewish, but she's like so convincing that it's just nothing I can personally get myself worked up over. But I don't know if you have like differing opinions on that, Denise, but it's just, it's not something that just, I find that bothers me that much. I don't know. No, I would say it doesn't bother me either. I think, as you said, there's no lack of representation in Hollywood, but um, but only we can say that. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say that um, you know, I, I have a, a male, uh, you know, a Jewish male friend who is offended. He was like, I think he said something like, um, "Well, I don't really like uh, Jewish shows or, or you know, p- Jewish characters played by someone who isn't Jewish." And I was like, "That's fair. That's you know, your own perspective," but. I think the show is so much of like a loving tome to Jewish culture that I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. I think that, you know, as I said, two Jews, three opinions, um, there's no lack of, you know, when, when you have such a storied history of persecution, I think so much of like you you laugh so you don't cry. And I think that um, there are no lack of Jewish community, co- comedians who make fun of the Jewish community at large. Um, but I don't see that as a problem here. And again, Ellis, Emma Seligman, 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 yeah. Seligman um, she's Jewish. This is a, this is a community that she grew up with and knows very well as, as you can see in the film. And so, um, you know, I, I'm not personally bothered by it. 
I will say. See, okay, this conversation prompted me to look up whether or not Eric Bana was Because <laughs> I was just thinking, all right, what, okay, what are some, like, very Jewish movies that, like, star non-Jewish actors? And I'm like, well, you know, Munich, that, that's directed by a Jew. It's a, it's, it's about Israel's re, retaliation um, towards Life September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me let me go check if Eric Banish. And uh, so no, I don't think Daniel. I don't think Daniel Craig is either, and he's in that movie. Oh, but yeah. Daniel Craig, but Daniel Craig is married to a Jewish woman. Yes, he so is. There you go. Does so. that is that how I get in? Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally. kidding, guys. In the uh, you guys are going to have to cancel this episode. <laughs> Cut me out. You don't need me. No, we, no, we have a very I, good... I, I, I value your perspective, and, I, and that's why I thought it was interesting when you were talking about the, the cringe humor thing. And uh, before we started recording, uh, Denise mentioned that she's a big Seinfeld person, and that's something she always finds uh, like, oh, well, like, yeah, you kind of get Jewish humor if you get Seinfeld. And I think, you know, obviously, I think Curb is even more cringe humor than Seinfeld, and they obviously Absolutely. share a lot of DNA. And I'm someone that doesn't typically like the cringe humor all that much, unless it's executed like on the level of Curb. And I'm not going to lie, there were like a couple moments in. Shiva baby that were so cringy that I had to pause and like, like take a deep breath, especially on the like, hey, like they they bring Danielle up to multiple people at this party and ask them to like give her a job, and like I I just grew up way too much with like my parents like telling me to hand my resume to people and it was just so uncomfortable. But it's like it, it's like because it, it, that like seems like it's staring right in my soul. Like I didn't dock at points for being overly cringy, like I might with like some episodes of The Office or something like that, you know. And that's just a bias, I guess. But what I was getting at is the thing why I think I like cringe comedy is that I I, I think I I could add whether I have experienced that uncomfortable situation or I can like see myself in it like I think that really like it's mostly because like, I'm someone who humiliates themselves all the time that I'm kind of <laughs> dumb but I like get like I love seeing it on screen where just everybody is just sort of un- just seeing that discomfort um play out and and also like my role in life has always been i don't mess with anybody who doesn't like seinfeld like that's a red flag that's a legit red flag for me yeah these pretzels are making me thirsty i agree so i will say that you know um yeah i again i i feel like not that we're running in circles like i i think we all kind of agree on on all of these things and and how much cringe humor i don't want to say it's like that's what Jewish humor is about because it's not, you know, and there's a lot of Jewish writers who, you know, have nothing to do with this cringe humor or this type of self-reflection. Like when you think about um, the metamorphosis and how much of that book is about a man's like deep feeling of inadequacy and, and how, I mean, there's a lot of psychological components that I don't think we really need to get into about this film, but I would say that, like you, Josh, I do pause sometimes with with cringe humor, and there was a lot here that I, I don't know, I think that's where I came mixed, where it was like some of the film, even though the film only clocks in at like one hour, 18 minutes or something like that, um, there were a couple of moments where I felt it was just a beat too long, for example, like the cringe was just played out. The majority of, go ahead. JP. Which, which, like, I, I didn't feel that at all. Where, like, uh, like it was over, because, like, to me, I, 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 like, a huge part of it is, like, in, in terms of like doing like cringe comedy on, on, on film, is that you want it to feel overextended. You want it to last like a beat too long, because that's where the discomfort really sets it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like in, in like a heartbreak kid. Uh, I, I, I hate going, just keep going back to like Elaine May, but like. Like that's a movie where there's like us with the most uncomfortable scene in the movie is done in just like a wonder. Like the camera is just like stationary for like seven minutes watching in a wide shot like this family. Um, uh, and like like in this movie, too, where like you're just watching the, these families sort of interact with each other and just make it worse for the protagonist. And, 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 I, and, and the movie really puts her to the ringer. And honestly, I kind of feel bad, like unfairly in my view. I just like the character, she's young. You know, she's going to like land on her feet. You know what I mean? Like, and and she's been in like, she like sleeps around, but like she, she's like 
young. Like, you know, like, it makes it, like, everybody's in this movie is just very tough on her, and that might be just me projecting me, like, everybody's just, like, tough on, like, like us, us, us 20-something-year-olds. No, I, I definitely think that, like, people might leave really horrified by what the family, how the family and friends treat um, Danielle, and I, I can recognize and can see that. You know, I think all of the talk about, it felt so real that even that was uncomfortable. It was, like, all of this talk about Maybe she's, you know, oh, you've lost so much weight. Maybe she's starving herself. Maybe she has an eating <laughs> disorder. There's a lot of talk around that. And I think that for family and friends in insular communities, there's often zero filter because there, there are no repercussions kind of for saying these things. It's just kind of, oh, par for the course. You know, I haven't seen you in two years. You lost weight or whatever it is. And so I think that, you know, and then I'm curious, like, there were so many, first of all, I really love the dialogue. I think that so much of this film felt, felt really rooted, like the relationship that, um, Danielle has with her parents and um, her conversations with Maya. You know, Max is a character that we can talk about. The girl boss, almost the critique of girl boss feminism, and yet also the idea of like a well to do young woman building her own like NYU degree through like this. It's not, you know, it's not a degree, it's a, or it's not a, a career, it's a lens through which to view. <laughs> you know, she wants to do comedy, she wants to be. She wants to, you know, organize marches. She's just not sure. I think that that's very true for so many 20-somethings, a, a, you know, a 22-year-old graduating. I could totally see that being the case. I, I feel on top of the world. I feel like I want to be on SNL, and I also want to be president, <laughs> of course, you know. So I I don't know. I uh, I think I, I thought that was funny, that Diana Agron um, and Rachel Sennett, like, interaction around girl boss feminism. It's something you oh, should definitely It was so uncomfortable, but it was – it was it was very well played. So I mean, it sounds like we all agree that like it 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 it, it always got that character right. I think. Well, one of the things you kind of mentioned earlier, Denise, though, was that uh, you thought when you were talking about what, how you were mixed on it, you mentioned that uh, part of it was like, okay, I get it. Like it it's it's recreating like on the surface what a Shiva is. That well, were you expecting the movie to have a little bit more to say on the whole, and that was like a drawback for you? Because for me, it was just like it recreated so much of the anxiety of that kind of gathering so well, and to me, that was like. That was almost more the point of the movie, and because that did it so well, that was why the movie worked for me on the whole. Were you? I, and I, I just appreciated being like transported there mentally. Was was there something else you thought it was? It was. You, did you want it to accomplish more beyond that? I guess is what I'm asking. No, I think. Well, first of all, I think that what you said. I think that is probably the biggest. That's the biggest plus for me. I actually concur with you. I think that the use of that one house as a location was really masterful and obviously this use of of suspense in the soundtrack to really build what anxiety and horror might look like without a jump scare mm -hmm. um and what is very real uh family relations is is was really good but i think yeah i think it might have been i know this you know shiva baby used to be a short film i would be actually really curious to watch the short film and, and to see that you know how it compares to this longer i tried briefly to find okay. it yesterday i couldn't okay. i don't know if it's no. available. Yeah. Hey, did you I check know. it on um vimeo no i just did like google no, videos google videos and it didn't pop up so, yeah i think that again this, i think this is a film that for me i'm gonna need a second watch to really sit there and like understand why i came feeling a little mixed i i don't know i i i'm not because i was this was one of my the ones I'm most excited about. And I think on the whole, it is a good film. You know, it, it, it is a solid film for the reasons we've laid out. But I think this is one that I will need a second watch to kind of sit with, if that makes sense. I don't yeah. know if I can articulate no, it. No, that's okay. That's, that's okay. You know, sometimes a movie just isn't going to like totally click with you. And I think it, 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 there can be a bit of a risk of that if it's something you're, one, really anticipating, but two, like have so much, such intimate knowledge of the subject matter, actually. Josh, what do you, Denise was talking about that, about that house. And I, th I and I think Emma Seligman has like a very, very good grasp of that house. And I came away like very impressed with like her filmmaking within that. And I thought like, you know, obviously it's not the most, unique the most unique premise to have like a one location movie like that necessarily but i thought she like used the space very well and like there are moments where like one character would all of a sudden kind of slightly be blurred in the background of a shot and if it was like oh wow that's one that has like an interest in this conversation or if that person's going to approach this could be really interesting and i came with like very impressed with how she like managed just the geography of that and just uh the logistics of having all those people there and how one person walking up on one conversation could mean like one thing and i felt like that just added to the tension a lot what did you think of just like how the film was made? So on the script level, like I, I think it's a good, solid, like funny script. Like there's the line in the movie early on where like they're about to arrive to the Shiva and and Rachel's like Senna's like, oh, 
by the way, like they, she's in an argument with her mom. She's like, oh, by the way, who who, who died again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought that was very funny. But in terms of the filmmaking, and again, I like this movie. I thought it was a little, I wish, I wish there was a little bit more of like, there's a scene towards the end of the movie, towards the climax of the film where like, all right, the Rachel Senate character has something up her sleeve. She's tired of like how harassed she is. And now she's going to like confront um, the Diana Egron character um uh, in front of their shared lover right and like the movie changes its uh uh coloring where it's like very warm and stuff like that and it more yeah, it's very orange yeah. yeah 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 and and i thought that like that was like the one moment where like i thought the movie actually was trying to like do something like i wish the movie used like more compos like played with composition a lot more in terms of shapes and articulating the power dynamics of the situation like i i wish it was a little bit more geometric in its composition instead of like all right this is just your indie family so we're going to shoot all this in handheld and now like it, it's serviceable and uh and again like it's pretty easy to create claustrophobia claustrophobia in this like small set I just thought she could have been a lot more clever in her staging um, and illustrating those dynamics a lot more. Um, so that's the thing that I was like the most picky about in terms of like the filmmaking. Well, it's funny you mentioned um, that because I thought like one, I actually I really enjoyed the score, and I well, thought yeah, and she she did this interview. Speaking of the score, this thing she, like she did this interview where she was talking about like her fondness for like Ari Aster and that like she wanted to approach this movie almost like a horror film. Uh, another um, jewish filmmaker i should add i i think about this when i when i think about the film hereditary um yeah. is just kind of how i don't again this is looking far too into it but i always think about what sort of anxieties might surround that film anyway but regardless yeah but like yeah like so like the score is um definitely influenced by the scores for like ari Aster films and like she was trying to and it was funny like in the interview it was basically kind of like you know what if I did like an Albert Brooks film in the style of an Ari Aster film, you know, which kind of is how we got Midsommar. But like, and so like the score is, is sort of one of those things where like it works. I appreciate it. It works. I think I've, I've heard that type of score used in like this type of movie where it's like supposed to be a little bit like, you know, like you just hear the squeaky instrumentals and, to, and it's supposed to build tension. I think I've just seen that contrast so many times in like a comedy or whatever that it's not necessarily like new, but I, I think it works for what she's trying to do. Well, yeah. yeah, I think it does. And then, well, you mentioned that scene specifically where the color scheme all of a sudden changes. And that might have been one point where the script lost me a little bit because I liked where I liked the scene where, like, I, I just liked everything with her. But besides that first scene where she, like, goes up to Diana Agron and kind of confronts her and the color changes, like, I wasn't sure what she was really doing there. But, like, I liked when Diana Agron seemed to be getting onto her a little bit and then asked her to hold the baby. And that makes her really uncomfortable. And it makes holding a baby for, like, 45 seconds, like, all of a sudden, like, the most terrifying, like, awesome. uh, experience as a viewer. Like, I've had in, like, some time just afraid, like, she was going to drop that damn baby. And so I thought that scene worked really well, more so than even that one that came before it, because I wasn't really sure how she was supposed to feel about the Max character, actually, on the whole. Uh, I get that she, yeah, if you're, if you're hooking up with some guy and then all of a sudden you find out he has a wife and a kid, like you're going to feel weird about that. But it made it almost look like in the opening scene that like, it almost looked like she really didn't care for him at all. Like she could, she almost looked like she was a little repulsed by him. So I, I, I was, I was having a little trouble totally tracking her actions towards him. Even if I would have totally gotten like her uneasiness and Diana Agron's uneasiness around each other, I wasn't totally sure what she was going for herself i mean if it was just like pure revenge like how would you get how would you get me involved in something like this i'm kind of pissed at you that you didn't tell me any of this stuff maybe that's why she's like sending him nudes and like trying to like make him feel all weird and i i don't know i i, I don't know I, I don't know denise what did you make of her actions towards max throughout the shiva i was gonna say actually josh that i felt the same way and i wanted to, i wanted to bring up his character for that very yeah. reason she seemed absolutely i mean it seemed so transactional in that opening sequence where she's just like mm -hmm. you know he's talking about um so funny just this is the type of guy that you know somehow considers himself a feminist and he you know he's got that npr-esque personality <laughs> he's got that ira glass in him no offense to ira glass who i love 
Um, but he's just, he's got that Ira Glass personality to him. And you just know that he's screwing around with young women, even when he's married and has children. So I just thought that character was so perfectly um, identified. But I felt the same way that you did. In a sense, she, you know, Danielle's character was almost, uh, I, th- I thought that she was taking Diana Agron's character, Kim, to task far more than she was with um, Max. Like she started kind of getting a little bit into that that when she was just talking about well we met at Shoal or did we she obviously talked about those things but then she you know she performs oral sex on him in the bathroom which uh, I just I couldn't tell what she felt about him I also just didn't like Max's character anyway so which, which by the way what you're saying like she's like tougher on Agron um, more than Max like isn't that kind of like sort of like the funny dichotomy of this character and it's pointing out in the film where it's like she's studying gender like she's a feminist or whatever um but like there's times where she's being called out on like you know being very reactionary and having you know also believing these gender construct roles like i think there's a line where she's like mocking like um Diana Agron's character who has like three businesses and it's like how is she able to like you know raise a family or whatever and like Molly uh, Golden uh, uh, Molly Goldberg character Gordon. Uh, Miles, yeah is just like uh, <laughs> like mocking her like um, retrograde um, um, standards so like I feel like that might be intentional and also like I think some, and then some of this like like her weird, like, mix, like, how she's, like, going scene to scene with Max, and, and um, I think it makes sense in the sense, like, all right, she's a confused girl in her mid-20s who was just sleeping around, and, and holy shit, she's in this uncomfortable situation, and now she has to reconcile, like, oh, like, this person is an awful person, more awful than I had thought, but, like, he's cute, but also at the same time, like, uh, you know, like, I'm, you know, ruining this family but also the diana agron character kind of represents a lot of stuff i don't like anyway you know what i mean i do so i i think there is that and just you can be petulant in your mid-20s i think she's a great example like it's lena dunham feminism so i don't disagree with you i just wonder if it really paid off in the sense that like as we said like she seemed rather like, it would be awkward to see your sugar daddy, but she was really perturbed for how much we thought she liked him. Maybe she, again, it's part of that, like, well, I don't really like him, but I but I do. So I think it, it has to do with age. But I think that was the part that I was like, sure, it's making a mockery of NYU feminism, but I don't know if I really believe it, knowing that, like, she was kind of like, kind of like moving away from him, you know? So. Yeah, I respected him. I, I always say I respect when a movie can get in and out in, like, less than 80 minutes like this one does and i think yeah, yeah you maybe you probably don't want this movie to be an hour and 40 minutes but it, who knows maybe if there had been like one more scene of them where you got an idea of why she might like him uh, as opposed to just why she might like just see him as the, a means to an end which is all i came away from that opening scene thinking but yeah i i mean i, I the the contradictions in her feminism didn't matter to i didn't find that to be a i, I didn't really knock the movie for that at all because like that's probably like pretty realistic for a lot of girls at that at that age that are you know just trying to figure themselves out and might see, like to see themselves one way and their actions might manifest themselves otherwise because they're again they're pretty young and not not as mature as they could be uh and it just as the the max character being a piece of shit didn't really bother me because uh i'm sure there are guys that there are guys like that and maybe a girl could like be misguided enough to like fall for that when they're when they're much younger uh and i also another thing i liked was there was you, you talk about the, the max character being you know a, a would probably considering himself a feminist i really liked how it got at the the parents too and how some of the contradictions yeah. of how progressive they might themselves seem because we haven't really talked about her and maya at all and i you know that you know that mom like definitely consider she even calls herself you know how i'm very uh forward thinking and open-minded and all yeah. that and so, like that that the, the, and, i mean the dad plays plays it a little more oblivious the mom keeps saying no funny business with maya no funny business with maya and it's like that mom totally thinks of herself as someone that is like uh totally there for uh gay people she would have she would have voted for obama the three times 100 yeah, i'm i'm curious to know actually speaking about that because i think everything that you're saying is totally salient too is like how did we feel about the emasculation of the dad character and like how that speaks to a larger thing of like overbearing jewish mom and i don't know i thought there was some some commentary there maybe i read a little bit too into it but like 
the dad is like this guy is just constantly fumbling for his phone and she's like you you have alzheimer's you've had alzheimer's (laughs) you know hey didn't i mean her dad to me was like the most benign of all of the family no i was annoyed with him when they're like talking to the like you know and he brings up the fact that like yeah you're your deposits are like on our accounts like of course you know like yeah i think he's complicit maybe honestly the fact that we're not bringing the dad more to task is more of our own sexism like you know uh harping on the mom well no because i i really go I, I mean i just there are dads like that and the movie just wasn't as interested in the dad's relationship with the daughter and i think there are like you know yeah. i mean i i can say this coming from a fairly privileged place like that's like a common thing where you're gonna have it you're gonna be on the payroll my parents definitely used that term about me a couple times in law school and we, we didn't really say at the beginning but in addition to almost graduating my uh danielle is basically living off her parents they're financing her having an apartment in new york and uh she has pressure to like figure something out so that doesn't become like a long-term thing and the dad does mention it a few times and uh i mean I my, my parents certainly did their share of like getting on me about my job hunt. So maybe I was just like, oh well, that's pretty realistic. Like the parents are gonna, the Jewish parents are gonna be there to support you, but they're gonna also like hound you about the fact that they're doing it, and you need to like figure your shit out. So they only have to do it yeah. for so long. So I wasn't. There's, there's guilt. Yeah, there's yeah, guilt. yeah. So I wasn't yeah. like I, I wasn't put off by the dad character probably because it just rang so true. But what I really liked about the mom character and like there were those contradictions that I was mentioning how she sees herself as like super progressive yet she's still traditional enough that she wants her daughter to find a man. Uh, and keeps harping on that and is really upset about the idea of her like having any kind of like more than platonic relationship with Maya and she's hounding her about that she's hounding her about the just like her, her job stuff as well and needing to find a job and get just getting on her for various little things throughout the movie but when Danielle ultimately has her breakdown you know the mom doesn't care about appearances anymore and no. that's that that was like the probably the best moment of the movie to me was that she is so concerned about how being able to show off her daughter in the right way i think danielle even asked the line earlier in the movie so what's my what's my line or something like that or uh what's my i to, to say oh you're, you're and they tell her to say oh you got some job interviews coming up i don't know if it was what was my line or they there's some term of art about like what my what my script was or something like that and like the mom's yeah, all about ha- having her have some kind of script because she cares that much about appearances she's hounding her about like finding a man helping her connect and find a job all this awkward networking throughout the whole thing she's just so worried about what everyone's going to think about it if her daughter doesn't have her, all of her shit together but at the point in the movie where her daughter has her shit together the least she gets on the floor with her and hugs her and that was like where it showed me that this movie really gets what it means to like have the, your stereotypical Jewish mom for better and worse. Yeah. See, by the way, side note, yeah. right? My thing is like, if it's between Max and Maya, why are you even bothering with Max? Go for Molly Goldberg. Like the whole Gordon, time, Gordon, Gordon, put some respect on her name. Huh? Molly, Molly Gordon. Gordon. Molly Go- See, here's the thing. I've known of her for a while now. Like she was in Booksmart. I mm-hmm. know that she's like, friends with beanie fieldstein like she's part of like that like crew um and so like yeah i've, I've been a fan i've been a fan i'm sorry i didn't mean to disrespect uh <laughs> molly i'm bad with names but um uh but yeah but uh, molly i would go for maya in a heartbeat she's going she got her shit together she's going to law school she's very very attractive like i, I don't i don't i don't yeah. get i don't get screwing around with the married guy you know not well. She exactly. didn't. She, she didn't know he was married. But it's like at that point, like you know. Yeah, no. I would have given it up. Like when I saw my, I would have never. I would have never broken anything off of Maya. Like <laughs> like after, you know. But okay, here's the thing. Okay, right. So this is uh, now we're getting towards the end of the movie. This is the one thing I don't buy, and I'm a, and I like the movie enough where I'm gonna give it a pass, right? In so far because it's just trying to get to this final shot, right? I don't buy. That like Diana Agron's character and Max um, would get into that van. I don't buy that. Like I don't buy the like at that moment that like you know Diana Agron. Because she knows at that she knows at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. At that point, right? Yeah, at that point, she's well aware that that is her husband's mistress, and I think she would wait. Three hours, five hours, maybe, for Uber <laughs> to come, then get in that car with like her baby, who, uh, you know, getting in the car, bring her car in, like, with her child while, like, the mistress is, like, right there and with her family. You can't convince me otherwise. And I think they don't do a good enough job, conv- like, it, like, you know, they try, it's very half assed. But like, I don't buy that like uh, Max and Diana Agron get into the car. 
But everything else, fine. Well, so I guess I mean we 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 can kind of jump to the ending or even like the stuff leading up to the ending. How did you feel about how the movie resolved itself on the whole, Denise? I think this made the most sense to me. I was I I, I would say I I kind of think that Diana Agron's character by that point was just I I see Josh's or JB's point would say I see. JB's point um, about why Gentile Josh. Gen- no, I don't want. I am not using that terminology. But um, I, you know, I get why he would think that she wouldn't get into that car. Um, I think she was ready to yell at him for three hours straight. I know I would be. Um, yeah. But I think that she was pretty much resigned at that point. Um, it's just interesting that them all piling. The claustrophobia just continues out into the the end of the film, which I think you know, makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the proximity yeah, of Jewish in that ones. ending works, except them being in the except car. Being I think you need that car to be crowded. I don't even know if you need them in the car. You just need it to be, you, you could have just put three of the other old Jewish people in that car that were yeah. varying levels of annoying. And you just need Maya and Danielle in that car together to have that moment together. And that's ultimately yeah. more important than having those people get in, having Max and Diana Agron get in the car. Cause that just kind of, it, it's hard. I, I agree with Josh. It's like, would they really do that? Like, it, it would have been easy to, to be like, "Hey, we just have that. We just want to want something more, a little more chill for the baby." They could have easily made an excuse and gotten out of that for sure. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I, but I, I mean, I buy the ending overall. I think that a lot of this film is essentially two young Jewish women reconnecting. I don't know if they'll both be. One will, you know, Rachel Sennett's character will one day be an off-Broadway play, and um, Molly Gordon's character will be her lawyer wife maybe Hopefully. and they'll they'll take their kids to uh temple <laughs> um but you know i i i buy it and i actually really liked that that was kind of because i think with everything maya is kind of a grounding element in danielle's life i would say that that was the impression i got so i i buy the ending i like the ending um i think is it weird to he, is it weird to reply to an instagram story denise I've, I've replied to them all the time. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up, hold it's up. Like it's insane to reply to a reply. Yeah, it's psychotic. Josh, psychotic. Josh, this is 2021, man. Like, this is... You gotta slide into those DMs. Like, um, No, but, like, no, but seriously, like, even, like, you could do it, like, play, like, like it's, like, I'm like Denise. Like, if I see an Insta story that grabs my attention... Like, I'm gonna, like, you know... I don't even like, care who it is. Like, I might not have talked to you for five years, and it's like, I'm, that's bumping. I don't know why it's removed. That's how I'm connected to some I truly think that the barriers of, like, chatting with someone, it's so low stakes on a, an Instagram story, and maybe that's where um, Maya's anger comes from, where it's like, you couldn't even send me a text. So I... I don't know. I disagree with her, but I understand why she felt that way. I, I, I do think that this was the best way. I I think I would have felt a lot more uncomfortable if, like, we ended on that breakdown and her mom is just, like, still keeping up appearances. Like, it would just have felt really shitty because it would have been like, wow, she's in a sea of narcissists and this kind of sucks. So I actually, um, you know, I liked the ending for what it's worth. Um, and I think that it's funny. She like jets out. Like it is so true that, 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 you know, her Jewish relatives and friends of friends will go and, and talk about the time that um, Debbie's daughter had a breakdown at the Shiva. And of course, like that will come down in the annals of history. But for the moment, you know, Rachel Sennett's character has resolved her, her tension and like tomorrow's another day. And, you know, she'll finish with her feminism degree and then it's off to the races. So. <laughs> go, go and lead a march. Exactly, <laughs> um, Josh. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet from the movie that you wanted to mention? No, like uh, I liked it. I just had to get that in there, but I didn't buy the ending. Uh, I didn't buy that part of the ending, and and I just don't understand why you would just waste your any more minutes on Max when Molly's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wanted to reiterate one more time that I just think, it, I, and I mean, that was one of the first things Denise mentioned, but just how how good the dialogue is. Like, it is so clear that uh, 
MSC Ligman's gotten like dragged to like so many different family occasions like that. I was watching this movie when I was at a like kind of a family first time like a lot of my family being able to gather in one place or mm-hmm. outside of Florida actually. Like I I I'd driven back during the pandemic a couple times before I'd gotten my vaccine, like driven all the way from South Florida to Pensacola. Uh, but like last weekend I was in Philadelphia for my grandpa's 85th birthday, so I had a lot of family there, and like I got told like five times, "Have you lost weight?" You know, like that's like such a thing. Even if like you haven't lost weight, they're always like worried about like you're not eating enough. Even if it's like you know, like I've eaten plenty, or you know the the job stuff. It just like it rang so true with how relentless it was that it wasn't even like a thing that got mentioned once. Like you're having those conversations like over and over again. Even when the whole purpose of it is coming together to mourn the loss of a dead person. Like this stuff about your your career, your relationship, your body. Like it's all coming up over and over and over again, and it just it, it rang so true and i was just like i was just so impressed by just by all of that and i i I, again i try and separate it and say it's not good just because it's relatable but i i thought she like conveyed the feeling of that so well beyond getting the words right i think it i just think it deserves a a lot of credit for that uh denise is there any part of this movie that we haven't touched on that you wanted to highlight before we signed off i would say i this was to me one of the most accurate portrayals of what navigating a Jewish family looks like at an event that you would think is just about people recalling what the life of one person is. But at the end of the day, it just proves that it proves that it doesn't matter what generation it is, that that sort of thing will happen. Someone dies, they keep talking about the same things. Who's getting married? Who um, is graduating? You know, who's lost their mind, et cetera, et cetera. It just proves that these things just go generation by generation. So I think that for a debut feature film, which it is, right? It's Emma's debut feature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was really quite well done. And you can. I mean, she just knows this source material. I think for those of us who, I would include people who have diaspora families or people who come from insular communities in this. I think that um, Lissa, for example, I know Josh. Like Lissa and I have talked. Well, both of you, both of you love and, and know Lissa. So you know, Lissa's talked a lot about what it's like with her with the Persian side of her family you know so I think that like anyone from an insular community can relate to how these things happen the intrusiveness of the questions um keeping up appearances I everyone's connected to who people always talk about Jewish geography you know whatever it is so I think I overall I I quite enjoyed the film like regardless of how I felt mixed about some of it but I think what I'll need to do is watch it a second time to really let it sit yeah, I think I, I think I picked up on even more stuff on my second viewing. So I definitely would still recommend doing it again before your rental period because you know it's not a big commitment. So that's why I, I mean I recommend it to people because I think it's a good movie. But it's another selling point. Is that, again, this movie is seventy seven minutes long. So uh, really, uh, you're not giving you're not having to give it too much of your time. Josh, before we sign off, anything you want to plug? I'm not gonna like force you to make a recommendation if you don't have one because we just kind of like everyone just did their Oscar binge right before the Oscars. But if you have any other movies you want to highlight or things you want to tell people to watch, you can do that, or you can just plug any social media stuff you want to plug. God, I hope I was worried that you're gonna make me like recite something off the Torah, like, uh, like <laughs> off my dude, you're, you're you're already you're already in, man. I'm not gonna you don't you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> I just have to take that birthright uh, uh, trip to. You know, um, <laughs> That's right, Tem- and then you got to make sure you're going to temple during the high holidays. So. Wait, wait, which 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 are the high holidays? There's some. I mean, pretty it's, much. It's Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur. See, but- wait, wait, wait. The only m- high holiday I know is 420. Uh, okay, okay. I got to get that joke. I had to get that joke in. I got to get through it. Your your screen's frozen again. You actually look really high right now with the way your screen froze. I don't know if it froze like that for Denise too. You you sound fine, so I'm not going to pause. But it's funny you made the 420 joke and your your, your face just looks so high with how the screen is frozen right now. It was just right there, guys. Right there. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, so, anything you want to plug, social media wise, or telling people to stuff that they, they should watch, Josh? Oh, uh, no, I'm good. Well, okay. actually, I saw Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. That movie holds up. It's amazing. I recommend that one. That one was really good. Gotcha, uh, Denise. Anything you want to plug, social media wise, or television slash movie recommendation wise? Mm, that's a good question. I just have not been able to watch anything with the way work has been going but i think what i'm going when i do get a free moment i think mm-hmm. what i'm going to watch is the second season of the luis miguel bio by opic um I-, I don't know if you either of you I- are I don't know what that is. interested in the mech in the life of mexican singer songwriter 
uh, Luis Miguel, but he was a big deal when my mom was growing up. And I think any Latin American mom, uh, mm. for that matter, in her 40s, 50s, would be all over him. Um, but he has a pretty sad life. And so his first, the first season, um, which kind of ends when he, because he debuted, I want to say he was 15, 16. Um, but his mom actually disappeared uh, right when his career was taking off. And there's always been kind of an indication that his dad was the one who got rid of her. Um, so, you know, he's, he was just kind of a very, he's a very well-loved figure, but it, it, he has a tragic backstory, let's say. So he just turned 50. And I think that's why, um, you know, the, this, this biopic is coming out and, you know, I'm just waiting to see season two and see how they take his, uh, his thirties. Interesting. Uh, I'm not going to make you plug your letterbox, but I'm just going to make my plea to you to review more movies on letterbox. Cause I, I, will. I, I, no, I, I like, I like, I like your writing. He needs so. the time to watch the movie. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to bother her about not doing it. I just want to like encourage her to remember to do it once she has the time to watch movies again. Cause I, I like seeing Denise's thoughts on stuff. She has a good Twitter account too. So I just like it when Denise writes. So thanks. See? Oh, that's so kind. Josh. Thanks. I, I always just tweet into the ether and i'm just like this sounds insane to anyone that isn't me and we'll see if, who who seems to <laughs> no, gravitate denise has like a third of the denise has like a third of the twitter followers that i do i'm pretty sure but like three times the engagement that i do that shows you how oh, oh, that's, oh, that's, yeah. that shows you how that shows you how funny she is she's she's like underplaying herself right there oh know? yeah no like if like because yeah, I, I, I remember some like witty uh denise tweets yeah like you'll get like 26 lights like same with lissa too yeah um she's, she's and, the funniest person i will say lissa's the funniest person i have ever met my aunt is the second one. My aunt is probably <laughs> the second funniest person I know. Alyssa's the first. Well, thanks, Denise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, like I will see, like it'll get like twenty six likes or maybe even more. And then mine, if if I get five, I'm like, woo, woo, that was good. To be fair, I'm private, but like. Uh, and you know it's not because of my you know it's not because i'm posting any selfies because i have a um i try i try to keep some sort of veneer of anonymity on twitter but i should be concerned because i'm following a lot of people in the industry and they just like followed me back and i was like i need to be a little bit more careful about what i'm <laughs> sort of doing in right. that twitter sphere so. <laughs> there you go yeah i'm very careful i'm very careful about what i tweet <laughs> like it's weird because like yeah, like like you know not necessarily my political opinions, but like you know, there's just certain jokes I can't tell on Twitter. Uh, for no, fear. do we need a Josh after dark? Would uh. you do that, Josh Brown? Did Josh after dark? Um, I once tried out in college. <laughs> uh, didn't work. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think anybody on Twitter needs an after dark account because, like, your tweets are already going to be used against you at some point. <laughs> no, uh, okay. your tweets will and can and will be used against you. Yeah, um, for sure. I agree yeah. with you, but um, I will say I will try it. I will review Shiva Baby, so not to worry about that. If anyone wants to follow whoa, me, whoa, I am whoa. at. You, you it was review. a rom com. There you go. You, can, you don't even have to because you can just say, here's the podcast I did on it and link to the podcast. I don't, I don't want to make you like give you the homework of writing about something when you've already given me an hour of your time to talk about it. But if you have something to write, by all means, I'm just saying like, I feel bad if I- one liner. All right. I feel fat, <laughs> bad if I harass you into writing a review about something where I just made you talk about it for an hour too. Uh, but, but as, as usual, um, I'm on Twitter at, at Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y, and on Letterboxd, same thing. I actually have a couple of movie recommendations I want to make real quick that even – not even stuff I necessarily watched recently, but uh, one thing I saw Emma Seligman giving an interview that she said when she was talking about some reference points for this movie, she mentioned Trey Edward Schultz's Cretia, which, I mean, I – I, I'm all, I'm always excited when he has a movie coming out, but it's kind of weird because I think Cretia was his best one and it was his first one and he made it for like, like not even like a third of my salary because uh, it, it just takes place in his family home, but it, it you know it features like uh, kind of like a troubled aunt making a return to a big family gathering, and it's like really really well done. Or, or, or I don't want to say troubled aunt, troubled family member though. I think it's the main character's aunt, and it's just like very very tense with what it's going to happen when this aunt comes back into this house, and it's obviously a lot of the same filmmaking uh, flourishes that Emma Seligman used in, Krisha, uh, in Shiva Baby. So if you like that kind of movie, I recommend. I also recommend Obvious Child. It's probably my one of my three favorite movies of 2014. Uh, it's on Showtime anytime right now, but you can like rent it all the other places. If you like Jenny Slate, movie about a, a woman that you know she she has to you know she's just going around having a lot of conversations with people after she's decided she wants to get an abortion. But it's just a very uh, charming movie as she kind of deals with the people in her life, including the 
the father of the child, uh, played by Jake Lacey in his first of like just going on an epic run and playing New York boyfriends. Uh, and uh, la- last recommendation because it's a Diana Agron movie that I mentioned in our in our chat last week, or Josh and Denise's and I's chat offline. Uh, I, I highly recommend 2017's Novitiate. You know, here uh, Diana Agron who I said I was surprised to find out actually is Jewish is playing a Gentile. And she, so she's actually Jewish and in novitiate, she plays a nun and that movie, you know, follows a, a bunch of girls that just like enter a convent and act their asses off. Uh, the performances, so that movie features a bunch of young actresses playing nuns and acting their asses off. It includes uh, Margaret Qualley, who's obviously become a bigger deal since then. She'd already been in the leftovers at that point. And Morgan Saylor, who you might know as Dana Brody from Homeland and some other things, but uh, has Diana Agron too. And maybe like another couple of young actresses I'm just not even thinking of off the top of my head. But like, you know, it's just uh, Melissa Leo plays like a domineering nun. Dennis O'Hare plays another figure in the church. And it's just like a really, really tense movie about these people going through a hard time living at this convent. So uh, highly recommend those three movies. Uh, and because at that point, I'd never really seen Diana Agron in anything besides Glee. So I just was like kind of mm-hmm. blown away by her and all these other young actresses uh, really, really doing a killer job. Uh yeah, but that's about it. I want to thank Josh and Denise for joining me. Uh, coming up next on the podcast, I think uh, it's going to be Elijah and Daniel and myself talking about Mortal Kombat. So, you know, you obviously run the gamut of genres here. So I'm looking forward to jumping back into something big and loud and dumb. But I actually like that movie, so I don't want to say dumb. But you get you get the idea. So everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Denise and Josh for joining. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.